0: Welcome to Deep Dive MKE, a podcast that explores how City on a Hill is transforming communities and families worldwide. Join us as we dive deep into conversations with individuals who understand the journey out of generational poverty and its trauma. I'm your host, Art Serna. Let's dive deep. Well, I'm excited to be
1: here with Jake Worth. He's the pastor of the Mix Church in Milwaukee, and I've had the pleasure to meet him and meet his team. They're doing phenomenal work in the city, and I really wanted Tim to come here to the Deep Dive MKE podcast and share a little bit more about their journey, how they think about transformation, how they think about community and renewal in both in the lives of their People within their church, but more in his personal journey as well. So Jake, thank you for coming yeah. on the podcast. Thank you. Tell us a little bit more of how you got to Milwaukee. What yeah. you're doing now, and then we'll go deeper as
2: we go forth. Yeah, absolutely. Well, thanks for having me here. We love we love you and everything that the Lord is doing through City on a Hill, this new podcast. So I'm here on behalf of my wife and my three-year-old son, Ezra. My wife's name is Jackie, and she and I met at a church back in Columbus, Ohio, back in 20. 20- Fourteen, we were we met at the church, and then she actually ended up working for the church. We got engaged, ended up getting married in the church. And so, who made who made the first move? Myself. Oh, yeah. All right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. 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 That that's another story. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So, but we'll simplify it. Yes, I made the move and. Anyways, we were both working there for an amazing church called Adventure Church. I was the associate pastor. She was the director of operations. We had just gotten married, and then about three months into being married, felt the Lord saying it was time to move on a calling that I had received about two years earlier to plant a church. Mm -hmm. And through a lot of different loops and down a lot of different roads, and we discovered that the Lord was calling us to plant a church back in Milwaukee, which is Not where I'm from. I'm from Germantown, Wisconsin, which is not Milwaukee. I don't want to claim that I'm from <laughs> Milwaukee but when Germantown is a very different, different area. But we felt called to plant a church in Milwaukee. And so we moved back in January of 2018, launched a church in September of 2018 called Brave Church. And then that was an amazing community, more so on the west side of Milwaukee, Wauwatosa area, and man, had an amazing community that was growing. And then a little pandemic set in 2020 wow. and just kind of sucked the wind out of us. And that was a, a wild time to, for me, I think just got exposed and just as who I was as a leader and a pastor. And we got to the end of 2020. I felt pretty beaten down. We felt like we were in a place where we had to essentially relaunch our church and right around that time, I met with another pastor in the area who threw out the idea of merging our churches together. And we ended up doing that at the beginning of 2021. And then my good friend, John Strowbush and his wife decided that they were going to step out of ministry at the end of 2021. And they asked me and Jackie to step in and pastor mixed yeah. church. And Wildly enough, we felt like the Lord was in it, and so we stepped in and became the pastors of Mixed Church at the beginning of 2022. Wow. And so we've just been the lead pastors here for going on a year and a half right now. Well, there's so much (laughs) in what you said, in relationship,
1: and even the concept of launching something new, right? Mm -hmm. So one of the things that we like in in the diving deep into transformation and journeys, personal and both community journeys... Mm -hmm. We think a lot about community and the definition of community, but also courage. Mm -hmm. So courage and community, we Mm -hmm. think, go together. Mm -hmm. You talked about you and Jackie coming together. Yeah, Uh, There's an aspect of commitment there. There's a community you build. Mm -hmm. But I want to dig a little deeper into that decision that you made in saying yes to the desire to build something new. Mm -hmm. In your case, it was launching a church in a place that you really Mm-hmm. maybe didn't know, weren't yeah, as widely yeah. known. Mm-hmm. So talk a little bit about the courage that it took for you to say yes internally yeah. to that call and oh, then yeah. for Jackie to come alongside you relationally to have a committed full-body yes together to go on this adventure of risk yeah. and the unknown.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I mean, the story then back in you know 2017 is kind of the same story now, which is the courage to step towards something that the Lord is calling you to do when you do not necessarily feel equipped or necessarily to be the best candidate for it. That was how I felt when we launched Brave Church was, I mean, it was, there have been two times when the Lord has gotten as close to an audible voice in speaking to me, and one of them was to plant a church, and the other time was to plant a church in Milwaukee. Mm -hmm. And if I would not have had that level of clarity, I don't know that I would have stepped into it. Just because I knew I had a pretty good understanding of how difficult church planting is in any context and specifically in an urban context. Mm-hmm. And so the confidence in what the Lord wanted was the driving force in that. And then, yes, like couple that with the courage to actually take the step into that. There was just a lot of uncertainty that we we're walking into, you know, from having never planted a church, to having never pastored a church, to never having really lived in no. the city. I grew up predominantly, again, Germantown, which is, depends on who you ask. Some might call it a rural area. Others might call it the suburbs, but it certainly wasn't the city. So walking into to Milwaukee was a whole lot of newness that we were experiencing and trying to learn what the commu- the needs of the community were and also just what it looked like to expand our community beyond what we had necessarily grown up with. And a lot of that's still the same. I mean, as far as pastoring and leading a church, I know a lot of pastors. Yeah. And so I know a lot of people that I that I would nominate as being better fits for pastoring. Uh-huh. And yet... I think everyone experiences is that when you are following Jesus, he is going to consistently lead you beyond your capacity, beyond your self-confidence. And that's where we experience the power of God and the presence of the Lord in that. It's the Gideon complex that, you know, in one way or another, the weakest and the least favorable. And yet that's exactly who the Lord loves to work with. And that's exactly how the Lord loves to show off. So I know that there's many people probably who will listen to this,
1: who there's been a time where they felt unqualified, Mm. unskilled, unready, Mm -hmm. not capable, but something in your story, you mentioned those things were real for you Mm -hmm. as you consider that that feeling maybe inadequate or I'm not the best person for the job, Mm -hmm. but you still went. Mm -hmm. So I want to ask you if you can think about Mm -hmm. what do you think in you gave you that those things were present? Mm -hmm. But there was something in you that still pushed you to Mm -hmm. get past and through that Mm -hmm. and take that step.
0: Mm -hmm. And as
1: we like to think about community revitalization, as we look at the statistics of Milwaukee, Mm -hmm. that there's people sitting all over Mm -hmm. our surroundings with dreams, Mm -hmm. desires, ideas Mm -hmm. that become unrealized because they don't take that next step. They don't take Mm -hmm. that dive into the risk. So what do you think did it for you? Mm-hmm. What, what was in you already that you could tap into mm-hmm. to step into that unknown?
2: Yeah, the first thing that just comes to my mind is just having a familiarity with the voice of the Lord. Mm. And that's something that I've been walking with Jesus since I was a little kid. And I've missed the Lord on many occasions. And I've also been able to discern, hey, that's of the Lord. And so I'd say like that being the crux of the confidence That no, I know that this is what the Lord wants and not that that it's not interlaced with some bad motivations and pride and all of that. I think it's, there's a mixed bag in there, but having the confidence of going at the core, this is of the Lord. For me, that's the critical piece of being able to lean in and say, no, no, I've got to do this because this is first and foremost, just obedience. To God, you know, and a part of that process of really working that out was in in merging our churches. We were inevitably burying the church that we had started. And while that was very painful and hard at the same time, it was meaningful because we were able to say, hey, we obeyed you on this. Like we felt called to this. The second thing that comes to my mind is, and this is just, I'm definitely not speaking as an expert or someone that's graduated from the season yet, but it is the idea that, man, this is what the Lord has called me to, and it's going to look uniquely different from what other people have been called to. And so in my context, it's realizing that what the Lord has called me to do and be a part of is going to look very, very different from any number of other different churches and pastors because that's what the Lord has called them to. And so while in one respect, I do feel ill-equipped and I don't feel like the best nom- nomination, I also have to just come to grips with, nope, but this is what the Lord has called me to do and understand that because he has called me to it, it's going to look different. And it's going to be the what the Lord is going to do through any ministry that I'm a part of is it's just going to have some variance to it. Right. And being okay with that and going, okay, like, I can be at peace with what the Lord is doing. Again, and it just comes back to the idea of obedience, you know? And I think that the one thing that you said that jars me just a little bit is just, man, that— Tension of having a dream and like, man, really leaning into the obedience behind the dream rather than the glamorization of having a dream. Mm. And what I mean by that is, is that, come on, we live in America and it's, it's the idea of having a dream and it's the pursuit of happiness. And a lot of times that mentality is I think can be very self-destructive because at the end of the day it's God's dream and oh. it's what he wants. Well and- we're gonna dive we're gonna <laughs> dive into that a little more. You just
0: threw a nugget. But
1: I, so you mentioned Gideon, mm-hmm. right? Someone mm-hmm. in the biblical narrative that doesn't feel adequate, yeah, is there, is doing the work, doing the grind, he's doing his thing and receives a visitation. Mm-hmm. And is, receives a dream that's bigger y- yeah. than him. Oh, yeah. Yep. That is put in front of mm-hmm. him and given the opportunity to yes, yes or no, right? And he mm-hmm. took some time. Yep. But so for me, when I think about that, when you said it, I was thinking about what is the connection between listening, mm. obedience, mm-hmm. and identity.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So those two, as you give yourself to the call, mm-hmm. is there, so just... As you said, yes, what in you, how would you connect those three things? Mm. So listening, mm-hmm. obedience, mm-hmm. and identity mm-hmm. and purpose. Mm. So I'll throw that your way and see see what, <laughs> see what you can do with it because I'm now really intrigued. And then use what you said before yeah. about like, gosh, the American dream.
2: Yeah. Yeah.
1: See what we can do with those things. Because mm-hmm. I'm like, wow, there was something
2: there. Yeah, so, I mean, first off, listening, you're talking about relationship. And so, first and foremost is what God designed each of us for is to experience Him in a relationship. And that is, hard stop, the reason He made us. Beyond calling, beyond what He intends to do through us, we He created us for Him. And so, I think of the listening as just being able, do you have a dialogue with God that is separate from what do you want me to do god what do mm. you have for me god that's predominantly my i mean that's most of my life is interpreting my relationship with god through a lens of i'm here to do something for you mm. and i think that can trip us up because at the core it's like now we were designed for a relationship you know the picture of our relationship is that of a prodigal son it's we were lost and the father ran to us before we even made it home. And just when we were about to say, here's what I can do for you, it's like, nope, mm. reinstated as a son, as a daughter. And so starting there is like, that's the dialogue that we're having with God. Then you talk about obedience, then it's like, okay, then as our father, he gives us instruction and we li- we lean in and we obey that and we trust that he his ways are good And then what was the third point that you had, which was listening, obedience, and identity? Yep. Now I think it kind of comes back full circle. Is I am not what I do. I am not the church that I pastor, and I am, you know, I am a child of God. You know, but it's like it's it's a reality, and that's that is. I mean, that's I mean, even just this morning, (laughs) Mm -hmm. because I'm spending time with the Lord. That's Mm -hmm. what I'm wrestling with on a daily basis. Of. All right, I am not this, and I'm not gonna, I'm not going to, or I'm, or at least I'm going to work towards not giving myself to this, yeah. but it's the tension. I love what one pastor said, it's not a problem to be solved, it's a tension to be managed, where... Yes, the Lord has called me to this, but he's not called me to give myself to it. He's called me to give myself to him, and by giving myself to God and keeping my eyes on God and by leaning into him, then, yes, we can collaborate. That's Genesis 2. That's created in the image of God, then, to have dominion over the earth with God, And so that's a daily working itself out because again, I think it's a cultural thing. I do think it's an American thing. Maybe it's just a human thing Mm -hmm. where our orientation is to make the thing the main thing and to find ourselves in what we're doing, you know? Wow. Wow. So I want to talk
1: go macro a little bit, Mm -hmm. all those realities and truths that you're talking. I love to work with creatives Mm. and the journey of identity and purpose and obedience. I'm just like, hey, what? What do you have in you? So all those things are super meaningful. Mm-hmm. What you're sharing to the community, I want to be a part of, and not losing the truths that you're putting out there. You pastor the mixed
2: church. Mm-hmm. You can drop easy. the the man.
1: Yeah, Just mixed, mixed church, church, mixed church, perfect. <laughs> love it, love it. I feel like Justin I, I, Timberlake in on social network. Drop the drop the <laughs> mixed church. So the that church yeah. has a younger demographic. Yeah. So we hear a lot about identity, mm. Gen Zs, mm-hmm. Gen Alpha, and their desire, their lack of being, feeling bought into institutions mm-hmm. and desiring authentic relationship, genuine connection to leaders. Mm-hmm. Is that true? Mm-hmm. When you look at the community that you and Jackie are storing mm-hmm. over, mm-hmm. is that a real thing?
2: Mm-hmm.
1: What, yeah. what would you say about that? Mm-hmm. The longing of the heart of the people that you are, I would Use leading in this time. Mm,
2: Yeah, I think so. And again, our sample size is just one church and it's, you know, a medium-sized church, a probably small-sized church, but like, so our sample size is not very big. And yet, that's what I do see, that there's a longing for authenticity, there's a longing for availability. Sure. And at least that's what we find, I don't like the phrase, like, to be working, but to be meaningful for our community. And, yeah, I mean, all the things that you said, it's, you know, the hope is not necessarily in just the fact that this is a church and I can put my trust in this because this is an institution that was created by God, mm-hmm. but it's a an accessibility to myself and the leaders within the church and being able to find that personal connection to those who are core to the community. So yeah, I I think that we found that to be true. And I love it that way. And I love that, yes, I communicate on a Sunday morning to a group of people, but the fruit that we often see is, and the seeds that I think that are really when they start to, to get water and start taking root is in the personal connections, is in the daily communication that's happening, maybe about something that I preached on Sunday or right. having nothing to do with it, what's being talked about on a Sunday. And that's what we're trying to figure out how to make flourish even more so. Mm-hmm. What do you think that generation would want leaders
1: like you and I and others, what's the question that their heart is longing to be answered?
2: Yeah, man, I don't, I feel very, very uncomfortable speaking for an entire generation, but <laughs> <laughs> I think, can you just tell us the truth? Mm. Can you just get right to the point? Mm. That's what I see. I, and I mean, and maybe I'm speak. maybe I'm also under the influence of what I think they need, you know? But I do think that there's a longing for that. I do think that, and something that we've seen in the last year is one of the things, and this isn't a secret to our church or our community, but one of the things that Jackie and I wanted to do differently when we kind of felt like we got another another shot. Again, we buried our church. I came on staff for Mixed Church initially, mm-hmm. and then boom, we're right back into lead pastoring. And one of the paradigms that we had in front of us was, how will we do things differently mm-hmm. with this next chapter in our ministry? And one of the things was we want to shoot straight, and we want to, to our best ability, cla- communicate with clarity the gospel and the, mm-hmm. the way that the gospel is to impact all of our lives. And so what that meant was talking about certain things that maybe we don't want to talk about and yet are vital to the gospel because, again, the gospel influences all of our lives. And so over the last year, we've done that and it's been uncomfortable. It's not been necessarily fun They're not necessarily feel-good messages, you know? I mean, just so last week, I talked about sexuality, and it's like, it's not the type of message where we all go, man, that was just great. (laughs) Well, I was talking with a mutual friend, Tony Meister, about this. And yet, it's like realizing that, man, you've got this truth in front of us. And also you've got this grace that doesn't necessarily soften the blow of the truth. It doesn't make you feel even maybe even better about the truth, but it gives you a step through the truth and with the truth. And so what I've seen over the last year is a generation, surprisingly of younger people who are leaning into that. And I'm not, I would not presuppose that they are taking it and latching on, but they're interested. And I do think that it's Probably because what do you see all around them? Yeah. You started
1: painting a picture. So I want to just ask a follow-up question. How do you, as a speaker leader, how do you grapple with that question of like, be genuine, Mm. be real? Mm -hmm. Is there a discipline that you've had to develop in yourself Mm -hmm. to show up that way every time that you take the stage Mm -hmm. to share a message? Just curious, what's the discipline you've had to show up in that way, whatever meaning that means for you to, to learn from that?
2: Yeah. And again, disclaimer, not speaking as an expert. If I'm going by Malcolm Gladwell's 10,000 hour rule, I'm about halfway to where I can say I'm an expert communicator. However, as far as being disciplined in the realm of authenticity, it's just a daily being authentic. I, what you see is what you get with me, for better or for worse. I love it. You know, I mean, there's certainly circles where I'll, you know, maybe just show one layer of the onion. But, Mm. um, you know, Jackie and I both, we want to be known by people and especially people, you know, I think it's like almost like the 50 minute rule where it's just like, if you get more than 50 minutes with me, I want you to be able to have a pretty good picture of who I am. Not because what's important is that, you know, it becomes Jake. But because of the role that I have, because I do have a very, you know, I think like serious opportunity to speak into people's lives, I want them to know who is speaking to them. And so I do think it's a daily discipline where I intentionally do not hold back, whether it's personal stories, Mm -hmm. personal experiences, I mean, if I'm talking about sexuality, especially in a personal conversation, I'm probably going to bring up my own story mm-hmm. on Sunday, you know, and talking about sexuality, I'm going to lean in that I'm not unscathed sure. by the world, but I'm going to share bits and pieces of that mm-hmm. because, because I think that's the human connection. It's knowing that this is a human being, this is an imperfect individual, you know, mm-hmm. that's on the flip side of that. And so I think that, yeah, there's just a daily discipline of just in regular everyday conversations being real and authentic. And then I think the other discipline, and this is the one I, I predominantly am very transparent and I, or by nature, I'm very transparent. I've always been like that. The part that's not necessarily natural to me is the authentic aspect of, hey, I, I really do think that this is clear and I really do think this is the truth And I need to share this with you because I think this is authentic. I think this is real. And that's the part that doesn't necessarily come naturally to me. I mean, if you know the Enneagram, I'm an Enneagram too, which means that I'm a helper. And the most unhealthy aspect of myself is that I love to be liked. Well, Mm. Sometimes telling the truth and sharing the truth doesn't mean that you get to be liked on, I, at the I other end. I was <laughs> about to just say, so for
1: those of us who might struggle with being authentic or genuine or who might be listening and who was like, who might get stuck because of the risk, what's the, what would you say is the benefit at the other end of authenticity mm. and genuineness? What have you seen personally that it merited the risk that you took yep. to do that? What, what's on the other side of obedience to that?
2: Yeah, I think the first word that comes to me is true intimacy. Mm. And, and I think that that's a personal level where it's like, you actually know, you don't have to wonder what I'm thinking. Mm. And again, we, you know, both my wife and I once pastored a church where we walked on eggshells, where we were very careful on what we shared. And as a result, there was no intimacy with people. And if there was, it was a false intimacy. And in other words, we were lying to people. Mm. And we had, we went through some situations where all of a sudden we realized, wow, we didn't do this intentionally, but we've been lying to you this whole time because we've been withholding wow. what we believe to be true. And so I think that there's an intimacy and we've just, now we have. On the flip side, we have relationships where maybe we disagree with people, but there is a level of intimacy and respect because, hey, you shot straight with me. And then the other big piece, which I think is the more significant aspect of it, is that it if you really believe it to be something to be the truth and truth according to God, man, that's love. Mm. Like that's, it is a selfish, I think it was maybe John Eldridge who said something along the lines of it is, Like, is there a a more selfish thing to do than withhold what you actually believe to be true Mm. for someone? And that's where, again, Enneagram 2 is like, I want to be liked. And I want to know at the end of the conversation, you're still going to love me and let's have a great time. Well, that's my God in the moment, if I'm withholding something from you that I actually think is going to help you. And maybe it's going to be hard. Maybe it's going to confront you and offend you, which Mm. is what the gospel does to all of us in every single area of my life. And if I withhold that from you, then what I'm saying is it's more important that I feel better about myself and that you like me than it is for you to have actually have access to something that could transform your life for the better, Mm. you know? Wow. So
1: when you share that truth Mm -hmm. and I see that as a step of love, it's a step of courage, it's generosity mm. lived out. So, what's the mix mindset? Mm. I read a little bit about the, the yeah. culture that you're trying to build. Mm-hmm. So, how would you connect that to everything we've been talking about mm-hmm. in this journey? W- what is the mixed mindset? Yeah, to you? yeah. And I why mean, is that important to the work that you're seeking to do in the community?
2: Yeah, well, you know, it kind of comes back to what Paul wrote in Philippians 2, where he talks about, you know, his desire was for the church to be of one purpose and one mind. And so, you know, for us, our purpose, it's nothing new. We just have it. We say it the way that we say it, a mix, which is the Great Commission, which is to help people meet Jesus and live the lives that they're designed to live. That's a Great Commission. I don't think that, you know, if a church has any other purpose than that, I don't know. I guess I'd be a little tongue-in-cheek and a little cheeky and say, well— might want to reconsider that because it should all just be the Great Commission, which is making disciples, which is people meeting Jesus and following him. So that's our purpose. And then what we did, what I did, you know, want to start to clarify is what's our mindset as a church? And, you know, the whole illustration that I gave throughout a whole series that we did, which is, you know, the if you're putting together a puzzle, the box cover, that provides your purpose. It shows you how all the pieces get put together, but you can put a puzzle together a lot of different ways. And if you don't have the same mindset, the same approach, the same values in a traditional sense, well, I mean, you can probably still put the puzzle together, probably be very frustrating and take a lot more time. And so for us as a community, is we've got to share the same mindset towards this. And so we have, you know, five pieces of the mindset with the first and foremost being one uh, that we want to keep the main thing, the main thing. And that's just the gospel. And I don't have to dive into all of the pieces of it, but at the top, it's the gospel, that the gospel has to orient everything that we do. And if we, if you forget all the rest of the four, if we just stick with that, hey, we'll be in good shape. If we constantly are coming back, and going, hey, what does the gospel compel us to do? Okay, like, yes, there's obviously so many different things in life that are vying for our attention, vying for our allegiance, vying for our passion and our energy, and some of them are worthy causes, and some of them, like, we should give. But the gospel has to consistently orient those Mm. efforts. It's all got to come out. Like, why should we have a desire for racial reconciliation? That's really important. And I would say culturally, American culture would say, yes, we should be very, very emphatic about racial justice, racial reconciliation. It's like, yes, that's important. But where does that come from? Oh, it comes from the gospel, Mm. that the gospel is one of reconciliation and specific racial reconciliation. And so, uh, coming back to that and having our square root, and so that's a, a thing that we're trying. That I'm trying to do on every on a, on every, every single Sunday is just, man, we've got to share the same mind towards yeah. this because we can all want the same thing. We can all point to the same box cover and say we want that. But if we, as Jack and I have done puzzles before. Yeah. If we're going to approach this differently, and you think yeah. we need to do the outer edge first, and sure. I think we need to categorize first, well, yeah. <laughs> it's probably going to be short-lived.
1: <laughs> so, Jake, is reconciliation mm. across line to difference possible? Mm. Do you believe it's possible?
2: Oh, man, yeah. With man, no. Mm. But with God, all things are possible. Great. And so, and I think that's where, and this is something, man, I again, let me just preface man not an expert still learning but one thing that i do feel compelled more than ever to do is to get back to the gospel and get to let that orient it because i do see a great work that's happening in our nation in our communities but man if it's not rooted in the gospel and the saving work of Jesus Christ i think that we can you know potentially gain ground but maybe even in the wrong direction Sure. And so for myself and I guess I mean I won't even speak for my church but for me as I think of reconciliation especially racial reconciliation the more I think about the gospel the more I think about the saving work of Christ that is where I find the humility and the power to pursue mm. such endeavors mm. when you think of you know Paul's words to the Galatians when he's breaking down all of these mm very rigid and maybe even more polarizing categories that his culture had, male and female, Jew and Gentile, slave Mm -hmm. and free, barbaric and civilized. It is one in Christ. And if we consistently come back to Christ, I was talking with a guy in our church about this, that Mm -hmm. it brings us back to square root one, that we are all adopted and that I don't deserve to be in this family. And man, when that's your starting point, Yeah. The the compassion, the patience, the, uh, I think just like the pace of conversation of like the, and the willingness to lean in and go, Hey, as I have been a common thing for me, it's like, man, I don't know what to think about that. But it is the gospel that compels me to stay leaned in and not necessarily do what I think our culture kind of forms us do, which is jump to a conclusion as quick as possible. And form an opinion about what they said, whereas my gospel says, slow down, <laughs> you yeah. know? And as I've done more and more of that, it, it creates more and more conversation. And at the end of it, it creates connection with people where, you know, there's a guy in our church, he's an advisory board member, and he is, for the sake of context, black guy who is a professor and has, is far more educated in manners of race than I sure. probably will ever be. Well, you know what? I don't understand a lot of the time. I don't always go, oh, click, that makes sense. Sure. Oh, I get that. But because he and I both love Jesus, because the gospel is oriented both of our our lives, we are consistently coming back to each other. And even though, I would say like, the thing that draws us together is not necessarily a shared understanding, but it is the shared work of Christ. Mm. I I don't know if that's helpful. That's powerful. That's what I've been reckoning with. Whereas on the flip side, I have had conversations in the past where the aim was shared understanding, shared opinions, and it's like, yeah, you're kind of on the same page, but you could be in the wrong book, you know? Wow. So So Jake,
1: as you think about just in landing this, I want to give you the final word. When you think about our community and restoring hope, Mm. what would be the message that you would share based on all the topics we covered? What would you want to share with those that are listening to this later on? Mm. And they're stuck, they're lacking hope. They're wanting a way to step forward. How, how would you advise counsel? Mm. How does someone go about restoring hope mm-hmm. to
2: take that next step, whatever it means yeah for them? Uh, yeah, I mean, it's, the, it's a super cliche word, but I feel like it's really been working on me is, is how God responds to Moses. Mm. When Moses is confronted with the presence of God, given a commission by God, and Moses' response is, what, who am I? And I think that's at the crux of all of our discouragement and doubt is when I'm looking for something in here to validate me. I'm looking for something in here to give me that hit of ambition. Yeah. And how does God respond, Yahweh? And completely diverts Moses' attention from anything in here mm. and goes, "No, it's it's just me." It, Look unto me. And so that's what I would say. I think that's the only source of hope is look unto God, lean into God, you know, Thinking how Paul riffed on that in Corinthians, where it's, I prayed for the weakness to be. Again, he's looking within, get rid of this weakness, get rid of this weakness. And then by the spirit of the God within, within him, it is, oh, no, 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 your grace is sufficient. Well, what is that? It's, I'm never going to find it in here. I'm never going to get rid of this inadequacy. Nope, it's always going to be there. Thank God for jesus that i can look yeah when he says the same thing is that i found the secret to being content in every situation whether having a lot or a little but it is christ and through christ i can do all things and so if i get the last word i'm saying hope it's like man through christ you can do this season of discouragement through christ you can do this doubt that you're wrestling with through christ you can take this first step Towards what he he's calling you to yeah. do through Christ, he's the gate. So just keep your eyes on the gate, man. Thank you. Mm. With that, nothing else to be said.
0: <laughs> yeah, there's a lot. More and with that, said. we will. We I, I will just fall. used all the words. Oh man, man. <laughs>
1: thank you so much, Jake, for coming yeah. and sharing your authentic self. Lots of fun, yeah. deep, and I love that in you. You're a man who reads, and it's incredibly clear. Mm. And you're a man who lives time with the Word and listening. Mm. Thank you for sharing Mm, in a deep dive. Thanks so much. I appreciate it. Bless (laughs) you. Awesome.
0: Love you. Thanks for your time and attention. Through the inspiring stories of courage, wisdom, generosity, and joy, we demonstrate how City on a Hill and our network is advancing justice and working towards a world free from poverty. This work highlights the cultural pillars of City on a Hill. Loving, listening, learning, and leading. We can't do what we do without you. Remember to join the email list to stay in the loop on the important work City on a Hill is doing in your community. Till our next dive, stay courageous.